Welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast. Today's podcast episode was taken from one of our She is Treasured Bible studies called Godly Girl Power. To learn more about the Godly Girl Power study or all other She is Treasured Bible studies, you can go to our website at www.treasuredministries.com devotions. Now let's get into today's episode. Enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to Godly Girl Power. We are in the home stretch, our next to the last week. And I got to say that teaching this class, putting this class together has been such an amazing journey for me personally. And I pray that as you have walked along, um, it has been a blessing to you as well. I want to go ahead and dive in. We've got a full lesson today. And Inside of our nourish scripture this week, we find that God outlines the framework for some of our most important, impactful relationships. And so I want to begin today just by reading through those scriptures. And I'm starting in Ephesians 5, verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, watching by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man shall leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loved himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them at all time, not just when they are watching you. As you are slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as you are working for the Lord rather than people. And remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way and don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. And so I want to ask you a question. When I read those verses, 
how did they make you feel? You know, sometimes whenever I read about God's framework for family or for my most important relationships like the work relationships, sometimes I can feel, well, maybe like I'm failing in an area or I can feel sad because as God's framework of family is held up uh, in the perfection that it should be, I'm reminded of the imperfections in my own life. And sometimes the enemy can even use these passages to create condemnation in my life. Like, right, like when, you know, when I said, like, I've failed, like, you know, I'll look at maybe some of the parenting mistakes that I've made or um, some of the mistakes that I've made inside of my own marriage. Um, and then I think, too, that the enemy can use these passages to create confusion confusion that makes us cringe over words like submission when we don't really understand God's true intention behind them. Well, today, as we dive into this framework, um, I want to bring some clarity to these passages. And I want you to see that um, the, the framework for family that God puts out there is what he intends for relationships. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll say, well, God's framework for family failed or, or for work relationships failed or whatever it may be. But the truth is, is that it wasn't God's framework that failed. It was fallen humanity that failed, right? because we're all imperfect people. And so um, and so if we are human, right? I mean, if we are a human being, we are going to have dysfunction inside of our family. There's going to be imperfections inside of things like work relationships. That is a part of life. And if we're not careful, we can look at this passage and find fault with God or begin to blame other people uh, and just get or, or, or begin to try to take on responsibilities and roles that are not ours. And that's not God's intention. And most importantly, uh, and especially for codependents, we can oftentimes try to fix the fractures in our most paramount relationships by trying to control, by trying to take over a responsibility that isn't ours, by trying to fix things. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to allow him to rebuild those frameworks. He wants to allow us to allow him to restore them. You see, underneath the weight of fallen humanity, Every woman will experience fractures inside our most paramount relationships. And oftentimes, we try to rescue, we try to fix in our own strength. And this will lead us to further frustration and a never-ending cycle of trying to strive for something that will just never be. I want to ask you today, where is that fracture in your family? Where's the fault line in that paramount relationship in your life? And how has it impacted you? You know, the way that we grew up, the family that we were brought up in, that's like what we marinate in and it has an impact on our life. But 
God's intention in our restoration of away from codependency as we depend on him is to rebuild those things and to redeem those things. You see, God's rebuild goes beyond our limited power to create legacy in our life. All right. So as we dive into today's passage, um, I believe that God is going to bring clarity to these verses um, in, in some respects. And, 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 and hopefully this message will be one of hope and joy as you begin to see God's intention and his heart for you. And as you begin to walk with him to leave a legacy uh, for your children and uh, their children to come. So inside of these passages, we see that Paul addresses the most paramount relationships. He talks about the marriage relationship, the parent-child relationship, and then leaders, I'm just going to say leaders and followers. Now that could be in a work environment. It could be something like church leadership. It could be a teacher, a student relationship, a coach, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that that all can fall under that uh, last category that, that Paul talked about. And all of these relationships play important factors inside of our life. And when we look inside of this passage and we see God's framework for family, um, as I talked about, that it can create confusion right? Because uh, we can get confused about maybe the principle of submission and, and what that means. The enemy can twist that word um, and will often cringe at that word in, instead of embracing it. And uh, and there was a link inside of your devotion with an article from John Piper that I would highly recommend uh, that you read on this. Um, and there's lots of great resources out there on this topic. As you seek the Lord, he will bring you away from confusion and into clarity um, on those topics. Um, and that, you know, submission, I just want to go ahead and dive into this a little bit because it's a little bit of a hot topic, but submission doesn't mean that we, uh, that we um, condone abuse in our life. Um, and it doesn't mean that we compromise who we are. And again, I just really uh, challenge you to read that article from John uh, Piper on that. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that as a woman, that we are there to support and, and to encourage our husband. And in Genesis, uh, there's that word helpmeet, and, and we can kind of cringe at that word helpmeet, right? And, and think of that as, as something weak. Here's a quote from um, the Bible study that I wrote called You Belong to the Bridegroom. The Hebrew word for helper used in Genesis to describe Eve is Ezer. It's not a word that describes a cute little maidservant who helps her husband by bringing him his favorite drink on a hot day while he changes out the wheel on the chariot. This is a robust word that refers to life-saving help with which Adam might die. Outside of two references to Eve, it is only used 19 other times in the entire Bible and then only to describe God. So fear not, your role is not boring, nor is it an unimportant luxury. It is an indispensable to your husband's very life and vital to the created order. Um, that, 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 that is powerful, right? Um, but so, so we can get confused about those concepts and there's, there's lots of great resources out there, um, but it can also bring condemnation. We can look inside 
of God's framework and we can feel like we failed if we've been through a divorce, if our husbands had affairs and they ended up not choosing us, um, if, if we've parented our child and our children are walking away from us or, uh, or wh whatever it may be, um, it, it can feel like that we have failed um, gravely in an area. And you know, condemnation is never from the Lord. And we need to remember that this family structure, right, is, is not intended to be um, a place to bring condemnation, but more like a diagnostic tool, right? right? That it was not God's framework that failed, it was fallen humanity, right, that, that failed us. And so, and so um, it can also make us feel very overwhelming. And especially for a codependent, you know, we might read these scriptures and then just say, okay, I'm going to try harder and I'm going to do all these things and focus on that outward behavior. Instead of seeing this as a diagnostic tool and just bringing God our hearts and asking him uh, to change us. So, so what is his intention for this? Well, one of the things that I believe God wants to do is that he wants to show us his original design for family. That in his original design for family, that a husband was supposed to love and lead his wife in such a way that she had ultimate security, right? That she was cared for and protected for, provided for. And a woman will thrive underneath these conditions. Um, not a controlling dictator or uh, a man that just thwarts his responsibility um, and never provides for his family or that is um, sexually unfaithful to his wife, whether through a woman or through um, pornography. Um, and that, that it was God's intention, right, for you to be brought up in a home where you weren't exasperated, right, as a child, where you were given unconditional love, love that was not based on performance, but just the mere fact that you were a child, that you were given healthy boundaries so that you can understand right from wrong, and that you were taught and nurtured as you grew up, not just expected to play the role of an adult, maybe as, as your parent perhaps looked to you to fill an emotional need. Um, and so you had to give up your uh, your childhood, that, that your husband was supposed to leave his parents and cleave to you, right? And, and become one. And that inside of leadership, um, that, that leadership was meant to be a place of really serving those that that were working for you right that leadership was a place a call to serve um, and in john chapter 13 when jesus is washing the feet uh, of his disciples he shows his disciples um, this new way of leadership which they had never seen they certainly didn't see that with the romans they certainly didn't see that with the religious leaders and so here was jesus changing the trajectory and showing them a new way to love and serve. And even inside of the marriage relationship, it was very revolutionary. I mean, Jesus is basically saying that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And so that was God's original intention. You know, it wasn't that you were to be abused or that you were to grow up in a home where there were fractures. His original intention was for it to be a place of grace, of love, of uh, that safe haven that you could come home to, right? And um, and so and so in that we can see uh, the blessing of this. That what happened to me is not necessarily God's 
heart for me. Um, and so, so what happened with family? Well, inside of the Garden of Eden, the fall happened. And when the fall happened, sin entered the picture. And along with sin came sin's consequences that were attached to it. And sin entered into the family. And what I want you to see about this is that what was behind Eve's choice, really the enemy was behind Eve's choice, wasn't she? And so, or wasn't he? Um, and so, and so when we are looking at um, what has happened in our life, we want to remember who the real enemy is and where the fault and the fractures and, and what is really behind all of that so that we can win the war God's way. Because when the fall happened um, inside of the Garden of Eden, God already planned a road of redemption. You see, the curse of sin, the generational patterns that are passed down, right? That's not the end of your story. That is not the end of your story. That's not the end of anybody's story. God invites you to live inside of his family and to reach out for the rescue of real love. That when the fall happened, God was already planning a way of redemption. A way of redemption. And so inside um, of, of the road of redemption, Something that can happen, though, is that we can reach out for the wrong rescue. And we can do things, and especially as codependents, we will um, try to take on a role that is not ours. We might try to be the rescuer and the savior, right, of, of somebody instead of um, letting somebody cleave to the Lord. We might try to fix things in our own strength. We might try to change another person. And, and it could be good change. That you want to happen okay and and so um but it's it's the way that we go about it and we do not have the power to change people we don't we don't um and so and here's another way we focus on our behavior instead of letting god change our heart um and then another thing is that we can subconsciously um, with the areas, the voids in our life, whether it was a void that we had growing up or inside of our marriage or whatever it may be, that we'll try to recycle that. And oftentimes this is completely subconscious through another person. We might look to our children to meet that need. We might look to uh, somebody else, you know, we'll look to somebody else to meet that need. And where there is a void in our life, it creates a vacuum and we have to be so careful because the enemy is crafty with that. And he will create counterfeit ways for us to meet that void within us. Um, and another thing that we can do when we reach out for the wrong rescue is that we will try to take on a responsibility that isn't ours. But when you and I reach out for the right rescue, everything changes when we apply God's principles for redemption, his power is released to rebuild his way and in his timing according to his blueprints. And God's rebuild goes way beyond our limited power to create legacy. So how does this happen uh, inside of our life? Um, the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is that you must Go to the Lord to get your needs met first. We must seek him first. 
that in other words, when I'm looking for comfort or when I feel insecure or when I need to make a decision, by default, if we're in a great marriage, sometimes I can lean on my husband too much or go to him first. God wants us to come to him first in prayer. And so whether we're in a good marriage or maybe it is that you find yourself a widow or divorced or whatever it is, we need to remember to go to God first, that he is our source. He can fill that void within our life uh, that we have um, and that God is always God in our life, right? That he must take that place of priority, that people are not here to validate us. We must go to God first. So I want you to start practicing that as a way of redemption. Uh, number two is to mourn and grieve your loss and to ask God to fill the void. To mourn and grieve your loss and to ask God to fill the void. You know, mourning and grieving is so important. And a lot of times, um, I know in my own life that I was very angry about something inside of my life that wasn't right right? That I have been hurt in an area of my life. And, um, and, but it's, but it almost like that anger sort of covered over those feelings. And I didn't really acknowledge the pain. It's when we acknowledge the loss and the hurt, when we grieve that loss, that we're able to wrap our arms around it and to give weight to it and to, you know, really, um, acknowledge that need, right? Like I need this in my life and I don't have that. And then we can access the source. We can bring that need to God and ask God to fill it. And this is very important because the voids in our life, like I said before, the voids will create a vacuum and the enemy of your soul is great at creating counterfeits and he'll create counterfeits and the counterfeits might look really great on the outside, but it may not be what God intends. And so wherever we are grieving, whatever loss we're experiencing, whenever we have something in our life that is not as it should be, we must go to God and bring our feelings to him and mourn with him and then bring that need to him that he can fill it. Number three is to release that person the imperfections through forgiveness to receive from God. You know, I talked about that anger um, that I felt. And oftentimes, codependents will struggle with anger. We've talked about that a little bit um, inside of this series. But we're angry because a lot of times because we can't fix and control and, you know, things aren't going according to plan, right? And, and see, here's the thing. Um, I, there's a verse that says that the anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. And I'll never forget one day when a good friend told me, you know, Eileen, the anger is not going to change your past. The bitterness won't change the hurt. The, the anger, it just won't change anything. What will change is forgiveness. And forgiveness means I release this person to receive from God. You know, the Bible says that, uh, that the Lord is the vine and that we are the branches and that we must abide in him to bear fruit. People are branches. They are not 
the vine, right? And so we must recognize um, that people are people and they potentially didn't have what they needed to give us, right? Because probably because it wasn't given to them when they were growing up or whatever it may have been. And so, and, and so in that, we can release that person to receive from God, to put our faith back in God. Um, and we've talked about forgiveness in this series. Um, so we have resources for you on there. Number four is this, realize what is your responsibility and what is not your responsibility and then rest in that role rest in that wall and I'll, I'll roll I'll give you an example for that so as a parent it's it's my responsibility right to to parent well to love my children unconditionally to give them healthy boundaries right and to to lead them and teach them along the way as is age appropriate right but I'm not responsible for how they respond in other words if we start looking uh, to the um, success of our parenting or our children being perfect all the time, you know, if we're out in a restaurant, it went, you know, or wh whatever it may be as a reflection of us. And don't get me wrong, good parenting um, does teach our children to do things, but but I think you can catch what I'm saying, that sometimes, you know, um, if we're looking to our children's performance to validate us, that's not right. That's not right. And and so we need to find freedom in what our responsibility is and our role is and, and what it is not. And and sometimes, you know, we can take on responsibilities as a woman um, inside of the home that will just be a burden and not a blessing um, and can really sort of um, uh, uh, just rob our husbands of the chance uh, to lead as God as God would intend. Um, so we need to remember to rest in our role. Number five is this: remember that you cannot change people. I'm going to say that again. You cannot change other people. Maybe I should say it one more time. You cannot change other people. You cannot. You can only surrender and submit to the Holy Spirit and change yourself. You cannot change other people. Now, you can pray. If you recognize an area where somebody needs to change, you can certainly pray for that person, but you do not have the ability to change them. God can work on their heart. And when you partner with Him in prayer, you watch mountains move. Number six is this. God will seldom restore and rebuild to the accuracy of our blueprint. God, the rebuilder, is a master builder. And his building and his way, his redemption, will be different. And so the key is, to hold on to the builder and not your blueprint. Um, and the way that we do that is by leaning into and listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, and that brings me to point number seven. Inside of walking inside of God's family framework and really being a part of God's family, um, that we will need to leave and cleave 
by listening and surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to read this scripture to you in Genesis 12. When the Lord came to Abraham, he said this, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. You know, when we come to the Lord, God invites us to be a part of his family. And, you know, another thing that these scriptures in Ephesians tell us, God's intent for his family framework is also to communicate to us how he wants to relate to us. You know, inside of our passage this week, Paul went into detail of how Christ loves the church. Like it's a reflection of the marriage relationship, right? And, and, and inside of the Bible, we see passages of how we are to relate to God. Like he's our, our heavenly father. Um, listen to these scriptures inside of Jeremiah. This is, this is the Lord talking in Jeremiah 319. I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own dear children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to you calling me father, and I wanted you to never turn from me. And so God longs to hear us call him father, right? And, and he is the, the perfect father, right? And, and he is our heavenly husband. And, and so what a gift and a blessing, you know, and, and even in the leadership positions, you know, there's something at Treasure Ministries that I always say, um, especially inside of spiritual leadership, and that is never let, uh, never let a false shepherd define your relationship with a good shepherd. And in any of those areas of fractures in our life, whether it's a work relationship, uh, a, a leadership relationship, a marriage relationship, a parent relationship, um, that there are going to be dysfunctional areas that we need to leave. And maybe we need to leave it. Maybe it's not physically leaving. Maybe we need to leave it in our thinking. Inside of our scripture, it says, and the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united as one. Many Many an obstruction in marriage happens uh, when when a son is unable to to leave right to leave his family and to create new traditions with his own family. And I don't mean dishonoring, but I mean uh, to to just join uh, with with his wife um, in in a God intended way. Um, and so we must leave. We must leave the ways of the world and what the world is telling us and how we should be a wife, right? And we must cleave and surrender to the Holy Spirit. We must leave the empty ways that were handed down to us. You know, part of the curse of the fall and, and the effects of sin are that we marinate in what we grow up in and that that is passed down generation to generation. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And so Jesus, Jesus paid a ransom so that you could come under his family. So there must be a leaving. And sometimes even if things are dysfunctional, we will stay with them because we're afraid to leave or they're so familiar 
But oftentimes, when we come under God's blessings and into his family, there will be a leaving in order to cleave. Um, and a big part of that really is forgiving. Forgiving the, the, the original fracture, the original rejection that happened in your life to cleave to the Lord. And the last thing is that motive matters. Your motive matters. When you're looking inside of this family framework um, and, and inside of, I, I keep saying family framework, but it also talks about work relationships, um, but it, it talks about a motive, like doing it for the Lord. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, right? And then it talks about uh, work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. And so we see that our motive will matter. Um, that, you know, oftentimes I would read um, parenting books or I would read marriage books and it would be because I wanted, you know, my husband or my children or, you know, to be a certain way or to do a certain thing. And the thing is, is that that's not really like a bad motive, right? But what happens is, is that the motive won't last. And it really puts a burden on people and it puts a burden on yourself, right? You, I mean, you want things to work out perfectly and all this to line up, right? And it just becomes exhausting. It ends up making you feel like a failure instead of finding your role and responsibility and just doing that unto the Lord and then trusting God with the results. And remember, you can't change people, but you sure can pray for them. And for every area, inside of your life where the enemy came in and through temptation and through sin brought fracture inside of your family. Fight back. Fight back by saying, you know what? God is bigger than this and I'm going to surrender to him and I'm going to let him rebuild because when God rebuilds, it goes beyond our limited power to create legacy. You see, as codependents, we are often rescuers and fixers, and often with the best of intentions, but we end up reaching out for the wrong rescue. And see, God wants to use you to bring legacy. And when we allow him to redeem our life, let go of our blueprints and hold on to the builder, surrender to the Holy Spirit, stop trying to change people, focus on our responsibility, right? And, and pray for those things that we can't change. God can bring about beautiful things. I love the story of Rahab. And we've actually talked about that, haven't we, in our Godly Girl Power series. Um, and uh, we talked about how she, uh, she rescued the, the spies by hiding them. And then the spies promised her if she hung that red cord in the window that she would be saved. And saved she was. And not only her, but her family. And the Bible says that she lived with the Israelites uh, after they came in and took Jericho. Um, but then we also see this beautiful truth, this woman who was once a prostitute, once uh, outside of God's family, who, who was brought into his chosen people. We see in Matthew 1.5 that Rahab was also Boaz's mother. And when Boaz was raised, I'm sure his mother shared with him her story of redemption and how God 
welcomed her into the chosen people and how he redeemed and restored. And so when Boaz saw Ruth, who was outside of God's chosen people, he too welcomed her in. You see, even in our past, whether it has divorce in it or infidelity, or perhaps it is that you are a widow or your parents weren't there for you or in some way your mother wasn't there to nurture you or, or maybe in a leadership position you were hurt. God wants to redeem and restore. Maybe it is that you read this passage and you recognize your own mistakes. You know, all we have to do is to bring that into the light, uh, to bring it to God and ask him, uh, uh, to to redeem and restore it. And when God redeems and restores, that he can heal. He can heal. And when he heals, it's like our lives are the very parchment paper upon which he is writing his story of redemption. And as he writes his story, it is leaving a legacy you see, just like Boaz was taught as he, I'm sure, listened to his mother tell about her story that he was able to welcome Ruth into the family. Isn't that beautiful? I think God is amazing. And I know he wants to do amazing things with your life. And part of the recovery from codependency is allowing God to redeem your family, your close relationships according to his design. But in order to do that, we have to let go of being the architect and surrender to the Almighty to experience the awesome work that he wants to do. Mm -hmm.